0: Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom I'm John Stillman alongside Joel Johnson Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti The official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies And I would just like you to know The troubles that Joel Johnson went to To come to you today from his house Before we sat down to do this show He's frantically running Ethernet cable from some place in his house to some other place in his house, so we could connect. I believe you said you bought 300 feet of Ethernet cable, Joel.
1: I just want yeah, to clarify. I- That's hundred yards. That's a football field, maybe more than you needed. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I bought the biggest one you could buy on Amazon. And, uh, you know, I asked my son, who's a software engineer, I said, now, am I going to lose any signal? Like, does it degrade with going over that much cable? He goes, no, Dad, duh. It doesn't, it's not how it works. So here I am. I'm talking through 300 feet of Internet cable that's going down to a router in my basement uh, that is bouncing up to somewhere. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, I'm working from home. My, my new desk is a uh, is a table. In the, um, in the in-law apartment. We have a little in-law apartment in our house. So it's a different world for everybody, but it's pretty exciting. We've actually learned a lot working from home over the last few weeks. Well,
0: uh, describe your setup. You're barricaded in with throw pillows or what? Because you sound fine. It doesn't sound like you're in a hollow room with sound bouncing everywhere.
1: Well, I was actually, my, my new office area is a nice uh, big kitchen sort of uh, uh, dining, not a kitchen dining room, but a kitchen what do you call it, Eden kitchen in our in-law apartment. and uh, But it was too echoey in there. So I now sit with the microphone in front of a big cushy chair to soak up some of the sound. And I have a uh, computer in front of me and a writing tablet. And here we are. And people wouldn't know anything, John, if we wouldn't have given all that away. Making the magic happen.
0: There's your behind the scenes look. Well, Joe, let's catch up on what's going on uh, from a legislation standpoint. Obviously, the the bill that Congress passed when we were doing the show last week, was essentially done, but uh, now that we've had several days to kind of pour through it and see what's going on with it, I wanted to talk about some of the provisions in that bill. Let's just start with the stimulus checks that a lot of people will be receiving. Uh, what's your take on that? Is a $1,200 check and then 500 per kid actually going to do much for folks who have lost a job? What's your perspective there?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of an interesting question. I mean, I don't think it's meant to you know, offset the fact that somebody's lost a a job. In fact, I know it's not meant to do that. It's meant to just infuse some money into the economy very quickly without having it go to to big corporations. And obviously, there's a part that went to big corporations. Um, But, you know, the purpose of it was just to get cash into the hands of Americans. For some, it might be a um, short-term fix to pay some bills. For others, you know, it might— Give them the opportunity to spend maybe on something they wouldn't normally spend on and just stimulate the economy a little bit. My son's in the military and his wife is a an x-ray tech, so they're not getting laid off. Um, they're working full time, um, but they'll get a little bit of extra money to, I don't know, maybe put in the bank, maybe to spend some money and so on. So it's just it's meant to get some cash into the economy. Our economy has just frozen. I mean, it's like when you have a stream and all of a sudden the dam gets built. The downstream part of the dam, everything is just stopped. There's no water flowing. And that is really dangerous for our economy. And we don't just snap back from that. So what the Treasury and the Fed are doing through the stimulus checks to individuals, through money to corporations. Um, there's a small business provision in there where if you don't lay anybody off for eight weeks, any business under 500 employees, um, if they don't lay anybody off for eight weeks, the government will actually reimburse you for that payroll for an eight-week period of time. So the government is doing everything they can to keep the money sloshing around in the economy. There's long-term effects. I know that. I know some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, what about inflation and so on? We, we get all that, but this is an emergency measure that has to take place. So that we don't fall into a depression quite frankly and have the have the economy just seize up. So the stimulus checks are are again, John, not meant to you know, tide somebody over that loses their job. It's meant to be a quick cash infusion into the economy. And of course, there's unemployment benefits there that are uh, an additional $600 per week for people that have to collect unemployment and they go on for 39 weeks now instead of 26 weeks. So a lot of things that help the individual here as well as big companies.
0: So that's interesting. And then uh, one thing that I think is particularly interesting in the bill that really hits home, I think, with our audience and with a lot of your clients, Joel, obviously the stimulus payments got a lot of the the attention. But uh, another thing that's pretty major is that RMDs required minimum distributions for the year 2020 are no longer required. That's a pretty big deal. So explain what that means and why it's important in this situation
1: well and this is sort of step 2 uh, that was unexpected but of a of a you know the first thing was the government redid the tax rules and said well it used to be when you're 70 and a half you have to start taking money out of your retirement accounts now it's age 72 so for many people not everybody but for many people it's an extra 2 years that they can leave money in their retirement accounts um, that's very helpful most of our clients are really good savers and Many of them would just assume leave money in those retirement accounts, not have to take money out. But then, because of this situation that's happened with the coronavirus, and again, the economy just grinding to a halt. The government says, well, you don't have to take any required minimum distributions out of your retirement accounts if you don't want to. So for people that don't need that money, it's really good news. Number one, they're going to save some money on taxes. And then number two, that money is going to grow to a much bigger amount because it's growing in a tax deferred account. So for some people, they need that income coming out of the retirement accounts. It's not going to change anything for them. But for other people that are good savers, again, many of our clients are good savers. They just assume leave that money in there in those retirement accounts. They don't have to take the money out. They can wait. For, for another year to take the money out. So pretty good news overall. And it seems counterintuitive, right? You think, well, the government wants the tax revenues coming in. But at this point, they're just trying to do anything to inject confidence into the American people. Remember, even though we have these giant companies that everybody likes to talk about, getting bailouts and so on, and that's a whole other story. There's a big misunderstanding around that. But even though we think of that, the American economy is about 70% individual consumers and so we've got to keep those consumers either spending money or get them back to spending money very quickly when this whole thing is over. Otherwise, we run a, a, a massive danger that I don't think most people understand of you know having a, a downturn that lasts for years and how many lives will be hurt or lost because of that. So there's just. Tricky balancing act going on right now. The administrative has taken all kinds of heat for sometimes saying that, that there's an economic toll here that might have just as much of a toll on lives or than, than the coronavirus, and they've taken a lot of heat for that. You know, they probably shouldn't have said that, but the reality is that is absolutely the case. You know, how many people died during the Great Depression? How many people you know, went without – how many families were destroyed when that Great Depression went on for so many years? And so we're trying to avoid that while fixing this this invisible enemy that we have called the virus.
0: Yeah, and I feel really bad for like kids or women that are in abusive situations and now they're stuck at home with abusive husband or abusive dad. Like that's, that's ugly on many fronts. So it's uh, – yeah, family damage, economic damage, there's a lot – To take into account there. Uh, Another thing that's interesting, Joel, is for folks under 59 and a half, uh, you can now pull money out of your IRA. If you've been affected by the coronavirus, you can pull money out of IRAs and 401ks without the normal 10% penalty that would come for an early withdrawal. Now, you'll still be taxed on it, but if you really need money, uh, there is a place you can go. Is that something that you would recommend for most people? I mean, in what situations would that make sense for somebody to, to go that route?
1: In a quick answer, John, hardly ever. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I talk about all the time on this program, on TV, when we do our workshops, when I get asked these questions, because I've been on the TV stations, all the stations um, in the area so often lately with the market turmoil going on and so on, and they'll say, well, should people take money out of their 401k? And I'll say, no, 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 no. That money is protected from the claims of your creditors. You know, if your if your house gets foreclosed on, if somebody sues you, if your landlord comes after you for rent, nobody can get to that money as long as it's in those retirement accounts. You could declare bankruptcy; they can't get to that money. Plus, you you're just destroying your retirement. People say, "Well, I need the money now." Many times. People cash those accounts in way too early. So I'm going to suggest to anybody out there that just feels like they're behind the eight ball and they've got to cash in that 401k or cash in that IRA, talk to a financial professional first. You can call us, you can call somebody that you've already been working with, but at it, it all costs, try to avoid that. And so even though the government says, well, we're going to waive the penalty, if you're 45 years old and you really need the money, you can take it out of your retirement account, try to do something else. I know it's tough out there for some of you, but try to do something else. That is just, that's got to be a last resort and maybe not even a last resort for some people.
0: Well, Joe, let's give folks the opportunity to schedule a time to talk with you or somebody on your team at Johnson Brunetti. And and as you're doing that, maybe you can tell us what have the conversations looked like that you've been having with folks for the last week or so? What questions are being asked? What advice are you giving to people? And then how can folks get in touch with you to have that talk for themselves?
1: Yeah, well, you know, most people are calling us because they want help with their retirement accounts. They see their retirement accounts down. And then they sense even though they might be working with home and their companies haven't laid them off yet, they sense a layoff coming. And so most people that were calling us right now, John, we're having a lot of conversations about, okay, let's do a giant reset. You know, you've got some money saved. You know when you're going to retire, you have a target date of retirement. Let's just do a big, giant reset, start with a clean slate and do a full financial plan and see if those goals you have still work. And then, what are the investments that you should have to meet those goals? How much income do you need in retirement? What should you do right now, this next one year that's going to be a critical period? What should you do? So, most people that are calling in, we're having those conversations. And what I'm saying is, hey, Let's not make a big deal out of this. Call and have a 15-minute phone conversation with us. There's no charge. Obviously, there's no obligation. I, I hope I don't need to say that. You guys know that we've been blessed as a firm and we don't need to push anybody, but we want to be here to help. Our clients appreciate us helping others that aren't, clients at all of the firm. So we want to be here to help. So it's a 15-minute phone consultation. Call us. We'll schedule it with one of our top-notch financial advisors. They'll give you 15 minutes. If you need more than that, that's fine. But again, it's not a big commitment on your part to get help from experts in the retirement planning area. So give us a call 1-800-705-1232. You can also text that number and leave your first and last name. It's one 800 seven zero five one two three two set up a time for your fifteen minute phone consultation. Also when you're on the phone or on a Zoom call with one of our advisors Make sure you ask them for one of our many, many resources. I've written seven or eight books now. I have lost track of how many books I've written on all kinds of subjects, but one of them is a book called Forced to Retire. When somebody ends up having to retire earlier, they get forced out of a job earlier. What do you do? What are the eight things you do right now to make sure you're going to be okay? So give us a call. Let us help. 1-800-705-1232.
0: Again, that's 800-705-1232. You can call or text that number. 800-705-1232. Now, you might be saying, look, uh, my wife just sent me to the grocery store to get toilet paper and broccoli, a bag of spinach, and a gallon of milk. Um, I, I don't have my calendar in front of me. How can I possibly schedule this right now? Don't worry about any of that. All you're going to do right now is call and say, you're going to leave a message and say, I would like to have this conversation. We'll contact you later and work out the logistics for when and how to make that happen, whether it's a phone call or a Zoom meeting on the laptop or whatever works best for you. So call or text 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. And we'll find a time to help however we can. 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, uh, we've been hearing a lot about social distancing, obviously, in the last few weeks. Let's talk about some social distancing that you should have in your financial life. So these these are things in your financial plan that you don't want too close to each other, all right? They need to be financially social distance. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Uh, So for instance, your emergency fund and the stock market. Why do those things need some social distancing?
1: Well, because if you have money in stocks or bonds that you think you can sell right away to create an emergency fund, that's a bad idea. Um, You want a lot of distance between those two things. Uh, You should have at least three months, and I know this is hard for some folks, but you should have at least three months of income sitting in the bank or in a money market fund where it is nowhere near any risk. Have that liquidity. It gives you the ability on the other side to be a better investor in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, because you don't have this short-term pressure, this emotional pressure of, gee, now I need to sell that because I might need that money in three months or so. Actually, it should be six months, but let's just start with three. So it's really important from a social distancing standpoint or a financial distancing standpoint that you keep your long-term investments separate from your immediate short-term cash needs.
0: Another thing that we may want to keep separate, socially distanced within our financial plan, is your life insurance and your investments. A lot of times people try to sell you on the idea of combining those two things, but really most of the time those should be two completely separate entities, right?
1: Well, they really should be. Um, You know, you can use life insurance as... A way to accumulate cash on a tax-favored basis, and very wealthy families do that. Wendy and I have done that. We've got a lot of cash value in life insurance that grows tax-free, and I can extract it if I need to tax-free. But for the most part, insurance is insurance. And you buy insurance to have a safety net. You buy insurance to hedge your risk. And I would say 90% of the time, life insurance should be to offset the income or to pay the taxes for somebody that dies. And so, you know, when you hear about this, oh, you can put your money into these mutual funds and it's wrapped up in a a life insurance policy and you get all these advantages. The fees can be extremely high and you're now creating an asset that used, that should be a safe buffer into an investment, which again, sometimes makes sense, but for most people, it doesn't. And a lot of life insurance agents push this as if everybody should have it. You know, the old, um, if you have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yep. And uh, we got to watch out for that. So, you know, and again, if you've bought some life insurance, we just helped somebody um, that lives just outside of Boston with this. If you've bought some life insurance and you, it was sold to you as an investment and you find out that it really doesn't make sense, it's not working the way you thought it would. Now the agent's trying to get you to do more. You don't understand why it went down. We've rescued a lot of those policies and put them into the way they were supposed to be in the first place, which was protection for your family or put them into a trust to pay the taxes when you die. So keep those things separate. We're talking about financial,
0: social distancing parts of your financial plan that should not be hanging out together. How about this, Joel? High turnover investment strategies and after-tax brokerage accounts. Why do we want to keep those things separate?
1: what we're talking about here is you need to understand the tax implications of your investment accounts. You know, my kids got a surprise. They started earning money and I've taught them to save. So they're saving money and, you know, they get all excited. They see a stock, they buy the stock, they sell the stock, they make a little profit, and that goes on throughout the year. And at the end of the year, they have, you know, $3,500 of profits, all short-term capital gains, and now all of a sudden, whoops, I owe taxes. Dad, how do I owe taxes? I always get a refund. Well, you owe taxes because you created these capital gains because you're buying and selling things all the time. Now, I'm not saying it's it's not good to take profits. You know, you should take profits from time to time. But understand the tax implications. Keep those two things I don't know if we want to keep them separate. You want to be aware that they affect each other, but you've got to be tax efficient. That's where we're talking about this distancing, this financial distancing, like social distancing, is keep those taxes in mind when you're doing any transactions inside a brokerage or investment account or mutual funds. Mutual funds, you end up paying taxes for other people. I don't know if most people realize that. When you own a mutual fund, you inherit the tax liability of everybody else in that fund, no matter when you bought and when you sold. So you have to be real careful of that. And that's why for most clients that are fairly well off and certainly wealthier clients, uh, we put them in portfolios of individual securities because you don't wanna pay taxes for other people.
0: And then one final element of financial social distancing that we want to be sure we're practicing is you want to keep your emotions and your investment decisions from hanging out with each other, not two parties that should be together.
1: Yes. And this is probably the toughest one of all, especially in times like this. People let their emotions get in the way. They make very poor decisions when it comes to their investments. Don't do that. That's why most people and especially a higher proportion of wealthy people work with a financial advisor. Um, those of you that are do it yourself, or as you think you're so smart because you've got, you know, an engineering degree or something, and not that there's anything against engineers, but the smarter the person, the more they think, oh, I can do this myself and they get shellacked. I mean, they just get hammered because they end up making emotional decisions. And they're the last people, because they're so smart, that respect their ability to remove emotions from from their investment decisions. You got to keep the emotions out of it. Very important. Again, that's why most wealthy families have financial advisors to make those decisions for them. So they're removed from the emotion, the fear, and the greed. You, know, you don't want to miss out, so you buy high, and oh my goodness, the world's coming to an end. I wish I would have sold last week, and then there's this constant pressure to sell, and then you sell at the bottom, and you just repeat that until you're broke. Buy high, sell low, buy high, sell low, until you're broke. That's not good, and that usually happens because emotions get in the way.
0: Joel, let's uh, wrap up the program today with a couple of questions in the mailbag. We'll start with Jacob, who says, with all the craziness going on in the world
1: right now, is this a good time to buy gold? You know, gold is a good hedge if currencies are going to depreciate in value. Um, it's a good hedge when, you know, if the country is going to go into a severe recession or depression. But I would not buy gold personally. This is just personally. I would not buy gold as an investment. Um, I personally believe in either having cash, bonds, or individual stocks, or ETFs. That's how we run our portfolios for clients. I think over time, one of the best inflation hedges, period, is owning assets, great American companies. Um, I remember Warren Buffett had an illustration at one point. He said, if you take all the gold that exists in the world, put it together in one giant cube, the value have the that you have there is less than the value of some big publicly traded companies like Exxon. So would you rather own all the gold in the world or would you rather own Exxon that actually gets a return? And um, you know, I'd rather own a company that gives me a return, three or 4% dividend. Yes, I know the energy market's getting hammered, but people make the mistake of looking at things, looking at things too short term. So um, I personally am not a big gold fan. Um, if I was putting gold in a portfolio, probably only 10% or so, and that would just be my opinion.
0: All right, how about this from Marty, who says, about a year ago, I'd looked at moving some money into an annuity that would have protected my funds from loss, but I never actually did it. Now that the market has dropped, this move seems even more appealing, but is it too late to make that move now that I've already lost money?
1: Well, no, it's not too late to make that move. We have clients that, that are using... Now, you got to be careful with annuities. There's a lot of really bad annuities, um, but in many instances... Owning an annuity can protect you from downside if it's the right kind, protects you from downside. You know, we have clients that went into annuities in January and they haven't lost a nickel. So, for my friend out there, it's not my friend, but that says, I hate annuities and you should too. How's his portfolio doing? It's probably down 30, 35%. People that were stupid enough to buy an annuity, according to him, are down zero. So who's the smart one now? Um, so again, annuities protect you against your downside because remember what an insurance company does. An insurance company takes risk away from you. If you buy homeowner's insurance and your home burns down, you've removed that risk from you and given it to the insurance company. And so that's what annuities do. But again, be real careful. There's some bad ones out there. I'm not a fan of variable annuities, but there are certain types that work really well. And you know what my dad has? He rolled over a pension in 2006. He owns an annuity that can't go down. When the market goes up, he gets a decent amount of interest, and he hasn't lost a nickel this year. And he's got a great long-term rate of return on that. So, it depends. You should have a one-on-one conversation with somebody who's an expert and who's not biased. That's just the problem out there. You know, I mentioned my friend who just, you know, runs these marketing campaigns about how bad annuities are, and then, you know, he loses thirty percent and. Some person that he thinks is dumb because they bought an annuity loses zero. So there's a balance to everything, and it really depends on your individual situation.
0: Well, Joel, if somebody wants some help, wants to have a conversation, what's that look like? How do we make it happen?
1: Well, it's real simple. Give us a call. We've covered a lot of things on the program today. We talked about life insurance. We talked about the changes in the tax rules for minimum required distributions. We talked about annuities. We talked about running a successful investment account without getting hammered in taxes. What to do with a 401k? What if you're going to get laid off? What if you've already been laid off? What if your company's saying, well, we're going to have spots for everybody to come back to work, and you know that's not the case? Give us a call. It's a simple 15-minute phone consultation. We've got financial advisors that specialize in investments and retirement planning. That's what we do. Johnson Brunetti, Retirement and Investment Specialists. And that's all we do. And so give us a call. Let us help you. Again, all you're doing is setting up a time for a 15-minute phone consultation. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. The number to call to set that up is 1-800-705-1232. Once again, 1-800-705-1232. And I've got to say something that's really important here. We're all getting fatigued. We've been locked in our houses or we've been doing social distancing for a while. We've been hammered on the news with how bad the coronavirus is. I know we're getting fatigued. Don't lose the opportunity to do a big reset on your financial plans and make sure that when we come out of this, you're in the best shape possible. So call 1-800-705-1232. Do it now and set up that visit.
0: 800-705-1232 is the number to call. You can also text if that's easier for you, 800-705-1232. Let us know you'd like some help. We'll connect with you later to schedule a time to actually make that happen with somebody from the team at Johnson Brunetti. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. The person on the other end of the line will certainly be in the comfort of their own home in the times that we're in. So 800-705-1232, 800-705-1232. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk with you next week, right here, same time, same place, on Jill Johnson's Money Wisdom.
1: Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial, LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.